We're going to begin in verse number one. I know, we're not going to do the whole chapter, but before we get to verse 11, I want us to read a couple of verses here uh, in the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter nine. Actually, matter of fact, uh, verse number 17 of chapter eight, and then verse number one of chapter nine, and then we'll skip over there to verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter eight and verse number 17, the last verse of that chapter. Bible says, then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. This is the work of God we're talking about here. Verse number one, for all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in what? in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. Look at verse number 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. We're talking about the hand of God and then we're talking about the hand of man. God says, whatsoever we find to do, do it with our might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Now look at verse number 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Now wait a minute. Does that not seem to contradict verse number 10? In one place you're told to do something with all of your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, right? And then the next verse literally says, you don't really have any control over what happens. Does that seem like a contradiction to anybody? I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. All of thy might. Do it with all of thy might, but the battle is not to the strong. Did you catch that? Neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. We're going to address that and then, uh, Lord willing, the rest of the chapter rather quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd please meet with us. Help us to grow in wisdom and understanding according to your word. These are your faithful people that are here tonight. And I pray that you'd help us, please. Pour out your spirit upon this service. And use me, Lord. I, I yield myself to you. And I, I long only to be used of you and to be filled with your power because I have no power of my own and power is of God. Please, Father, speak to us and do the work that you can do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. At the beginning of the chapter and the end of chapter 8, we're told that Solomon beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, that God is, we call it the providence of God. What does that word mean? It essentially means, by my understanding, the providence of God means God's power over all things and His elevation over all things, that He is above all things and that because He is above all things and has all knowledge and has all power, He is essentially able to be in control of all things. And we hear that in the end of chapter 8 and then in the beginning of chapter 9 
we see that the Bible says, all this I consider in my heart that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. And then we get to verse number 10 and he says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Okay, now wait a minute. If God is providential over all things, he has the power and might to direct all things. And that no man can find out what God is doing. That God has an ultimate plan. But then we are told to do things with all of our might. And then we're also told that the battle is not to the strong, nor the race to the swift, but time and chance happeneth to them all. There are two things that I think all of us need to understand about life that is being relayed to us. One thing does not undo the other in these passages. We should do everything that God gives our hand to do with all of our might. Or gives into our hand to do. If it's your family, do it with all of your might. If it's your job, do it with all of your might. For Pete's sake, if it's your sport or hobby, do it with all of your might. Because there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So while you have time, give it everything you've got. But then how do you level with the fact that when I give it everything I've got, God is still in control of the outcome? How do you deal with that? You ever think about it? But Lord, why give it everything I've got if the outcome isn't going to be up to me anyway? We know that that is true in some things, but not in all things. You can begin to um, build a house, and, and unless God takes your health from you, he allows you to continue and you have the ability and understanding and knowledge that God gave you, then you can probably finish that house because you have the knowledge to do it. But then, again, God can providentially intervene and say, we're not going to do this because it's just not my will and I'm going to take your ability from you to do it. And you can start something and not be able to finish it even though you tried to put all of your might into doing it. And so how do we? how in the world do we as God's people live knowing that the outcome isn't always up to us? Is everybody okay? So what are we to do then? I want to say that it's important for us to understand that we are not told by God as far as I can tell. Now you go study this for yourself and, and tell me if you find it somewhere, but best I can tell, Old Testament and New, I do not see where God commands me to go out and be a success. Now, I know that that is preached that if, uh, and, and rightfully so in a lot of cases, that if you will do this, God will bless and it will be successful. And we know that that is the case, but I don't really ever see where God tells me, you are required to go out and succeed at pastoring. You are required to go out and succeed at soul winning because what does that mean to man when we think about it? If God says you are required to go out and lead somebody to Christ, then if I go out and lead somebody to Christ, and I, if I go out witnessing and I don't lead somebody to Christ, then I'm a failure, right? I have, not, I have not accomplished what God commanded me to do. If what He commanded me to do was go out and lead somebody to Christ. But actually what I see in the Scriptures is that God commands me to go out and preach the Gospel. What happens after I preach the Gospel is between the sinner and God, not between the sinner and me. 
So God tells me to go do the work and do it with all of my might. But whether or not that person gets saved is between them and the Lord. That's their choice, right? But if I don't go out and do my dead level best to obey God, that's where I have failed. So, I believe if you'll study these things out, what you'll see is that God does not necessarily command success. He commands obedience. Just obey Him. And whatever He tells you to do, do it with everything you've got. We know the things that we ought to be doing that are right, and we know the things that we should not be doing that are wrong. All of us know these things. And we don't even have to be taught some of these things by the Word of God. A lot of them are taught to us by the Holy Spirit. The day you get saved, the Holy Spirit begins to work in you and show you the things that are right and the things that are wrong. As I've used the illustration before that my father-in-law, when he began to take a drag on his cigarette the first time after he got saved, did not understand why he didn't think he was supposed to do that, but he didn't think he was supposed to do that. And nothing had changed except he went to church and gave his heart to Christ. He hadn't heard anybody say he wasn't supposed to. Have ever told you the story? Okay, not now. All right. We, as God's people, when we get saved, His Holy Spirit begins to work in us and teach us what is right and what is wrong. And then He also commands us to read His Word and, and to fellowship with Him and walk with Him. And so there are things that He adds to that immediate knowledge, those laws that He writes upon our hearts. Then He also adds to those laws many of the things that are written in His Word. And we become responsible for those things as well. The Holy Spirit works in us. He teaches us what we ought to do. And the reality is we all know what we ought to be doing for God. We do. And He does not command that you be a success at the things that He commands you to do. I don't see that. I see that He just commands you to be obedient at it. Just do what He tells you to do. What comes of that is not always in your control. God's divine providence over our lives is such that it would not entirely be fair if He were to command us to be successful at something if He knows that the outcome really depends upon Him anyway. Is everybody with me? Jeremiah was born into and called to a time when men would not listen to the word he was called to preach. Was he judged because he didn't have any converts? Was he judged because he was not successful by man's definition? That he preached and preached and preached, best we can tell his entire life, to no avail. Was that his responsibility to go and turn Israel back to God? His responsibility was to go and preach what God told him to preach. And what the people did was between them and God. But what God was looking for was for Jeremiah to be obedient. Now listen, parents, I wish we could uh, determine the outcome of our children's lives by simply raising them the right way. But I heard my father say to somebody years ago who was mourning, really, grieving, I guess would be, maybe be a better word, over their lost child or children, actually. I think of more than one of them. And they had brought them up in church and tried to teach them in the way that they were supposed to go. But they departed from it. 
And I heard him say, it was not your responsibility to make their decisions, only to point them in the right direction. The rest is up to them. And you cannot force your kids to live for God. They have their own choice. But we must be obedient in raising them the, God, the way that God tells us to do. That's, that's our choice. Raise them right. What they do is their choice. Were you obedient in doing what God told you to do? Then have some relief knowing that you obeyed God. Whatever came of it, I think there are some things that maybe we could do better in our homes and, and that maybe some things that, that some parents lack understanding in, but still, my soul. Some young people didn't grow up with parents in the home that were encouraging them to live for God and they turned out because it was their choice. I know preachers that their father cussed them out when they told him that they were called to preach. Got no encouragement. And God used them mightily. It is up to us to be obedient. Jeremiah was not judged by his failure or success as a preacher, but by his obedience. Peter was called to preach at Pentecost, much like Jeremiah was, at a different time to a different people, and in this case, the people listened. A great revival and much fruit followed the day of Pentecost, right? But then turn your Bible a few chapters later, and look at Stephen. Stephen, as a deacon, was called of God, to go and preach the gospel. He was filled with the same Holy Spirit, and the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit the exact same way that Peter was, but he goes out and preaches. Peter goes out and preaches filled with the Holy Spirit, and the results are fruitful. Stephen goes out and preaches filled with the Holy Spirit, and he dies. Was Stephen responsible for the lack of success in that situation, or was he simply responsible for obeying? That's our responsibility. And when I read Stephen's message, there was no less fervency or power in that than there was in Peter's message. But the results were different. Obedience. And when Stephen was losing his life, he looks up to heaven and sees a Savior standing on the right hand of the Father who is clearly well pleased. That's what matters. Obedience. We are called by God, all of us, to do certain things. We are called as parents. We are called as spouses to be faithful to each other. We are called by God as Christians to be witnesses to the lost. We cannot determine the outcome. We can only determine our obedience. The call of God is to obedience, not success by man's measure. Be obedient to God's call on your life. That's what is required. Be faithful to what He has taught you to do. That's what is required. Look, if you would please, at um, 
Philippians chapter number 2. Keep, keep your places there because we'll come back to Ecclesiastes, but look at Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 8. Speaking of our Savior, I wanted you, I know I, I could have just read it, but, but it's good for us to look at the Word of God sometimes, read it for ourselves. The Bible says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. I, I need to be obedient. Yes? Obedient. When Jesus went and preached to His own city, did they receive Him? Not many. Not many. No mighty works could be done there. Right? Or could there be done, I think is the way it's worded. Right? But He went and did it. He was obedient. He was obedient to preach. He was obedient to heal. He was, he was obedient to the cross. He was obedient. Our Savior is a shining example of what it means to be obedient and also die for it. Now, thankfully, it was His choice to die and it was ordained that He would die for our sins. But He was slain by people that He was obedient to go preach to who hated Him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would please, and look at verse number 9. See what the Bible says here in verse number 9 of 2 Corinthians 5. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be what? Phew. Yeah. He says present or absent because he's talking about dying. He says, I'd rather go on home, but it's better for you that I remain. And whether we are present in your midst or absent serving somewhere else or maybe even if the Lord takes us home, wherever we are, it's our desire just to be accepted. What's that mean? Approved of. That God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what matters. So be obedient. Be obedient even unto death if you must, but be obedient. Verse number 10 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, let's look at it again. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Do it while you can and do it to your best ability. Whatever comes of it, that's really up to God. He's not looking for that. He's looking for you just to do what He says. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to men of understanding, 
nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. And maybe there's an element of that vanity of life that is mentioned throughout the scriptures in Ecclesiastes where you know, things just happen. But I think the context here and what God would have us to focus on is that we just control what we can control and be found faithful. He'll decide how it works out. Yes? And if He calls you to some indigenous tribe somewhere and you die trying, were you obedient? That's what matters. Were you obedient? Verse number 12, For man also knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me that there was a little city and few men within it, and there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Uh, I'm not supposed to go any further. I was going to try to finish verse number 18, but I don't think I'm supposed to go any further. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help us to be obedient in whatever it is that you've called us to. Help us, Lord, to be students of our Bibles, to know more and more of the things that we ought to be obedient in. Lord, help us not to worry so much about the results as what you've called us to do. And may we do it with all of our might. 